leading Pharisee comes to Jesus by night, and the two men have a conversation that reveals the big problem and the gracious solution for humanity. On The Bible Brief. Will you pray for the Bible Literacy Foundation? We're working on something big. We're making an app for Bible learning that we hope gives people like you an amazing new way to learn the Bible. Will you pray with us that God will honor our efforts and honor your generous gifts? Thank you for all you do. We love our listeners. The Sermon on the Mount illustrated the ultimate ideal for faithfulness to God and faithfulness to the law of Moses. It's a faithfulness that understands the spirit of the law and follows the moral demands from the heart, not merely from the hands. It's a faithfulness manifested in doing to others what you would want done to yourself. We know from experience, however, that this ideal isn't attainable. It's not something that we, corrupt humans with corrupt hearts, can actually accomplish. No matter how much we try to follow these teachings of Jesus, we simply can't achieve the ideal. We all know that we're selfish. We all know that we tend to hate our enemies. We all know the sins of the heart that seem to stick with us, despite our best efforts. This corruption, it turns out, is a major problem. Because this corruption is barring us from the ideal of faithfulness that serves to disqualify us from the kingdom of God. Since we cannot be faithful to God, we cannot enter. Blessing in this life, it turns out, appears unattainable because complete faithfulness to God is impossible. How then can Jesus be said to be spreading good news? Over and over again in the Gospel accounts, we read that Jesus is spreading the good news of the Kingdom of God. But good news has to be good, right? Just showing us how sinful and corrupt we are leaves us, if we're honest, with more humility and more than a little sadness. So what's good about this good news? How is it possible for people who can't live up to this ideal that Jesus illustrated, how is it possible for them to enter the kingdom of God? Well, one of those Pharisees who'd been watching Jesus from afar, hearing about his miracles and his teaching, well, he initiates a conversation with Jesus one night that illuminates the good news in the midst of the dark realization of our own sin. We read this in John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Something odd immediately happens in this conversation with Nicodemus that hints of Jesus' perception of the reason that Nicodemus has come to him. Nicodemus begins with one subject, but Jesus immediately and out of nowhere changes the topic to something that gets at the heart of the gospel. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now for this conversation to have the most impact, we need to put ourselves in Nicodemus' shoes for a moment. He's thinking, born again? 
like a second time? How exactly does that work? Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now Jesus gets to the core of things. He's speaking in a whole different level from Nicodemus. First, he says, in order to enter the kingdom, one must be born of water and the Spirit. Then he speaks of one born of the Spirit. And finally, of this wind-like experience for those who are born of the Spirit. The main point in all these images is crystal clear. Nicodemus and anyone who wants to enter the kingdom needs to be born again. And this new birth is accomplished at the spiritual level, not at the fleshly level at the level even more fundamental than the body, the person must be reborn. Here Jesus gives us one of our biggest clues so far in the Gospels about how the kingdom of God works. It's a kingdom that's entered in the spirit before it's ever realized in the body. It's a kingdom that begins in a fundamentally different way than other kingdoms. Where others fight and conquer to gain territory and population, the kingdom of God is first made from spiritual transformation. And looking back in the Bible, all the way to the beginning, this should make some sense to us. Death was the big problem brought about by sin. Adam and Eve sinned against God, and they were separated from Him in spiritual death before eventually suffering physical death as well. They became corrupt inside, and down through history we've seen this corruption manifest in all of our lives. In our natural state, we are all dead spiritually, separated from God and corrupt. It makes sense that in order to begin to fix this great problem, something needs to happen at the spiritual level. Nicodemus, however, still isn't getting it. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Jesus sees that Nicodemus isn't getting it, and he's not believing it. He's not understanding that new spiritual life is what a person needs to enter the kingdom. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Next, he uses his favorite self-reference, Son of Man, to tell Nicodemus even more, more not just about the kingdom of God, but about eternal life. Jesus, the Son of Man, has come from heaven to bear witness to reality. 
And part of this reality is that the Son of Man is going to be lifted up. Lifted up like that serpent in the wilderness by Moses. Something that we've previously spent a whole episode looking into. Jesus will be lifted up on a cross. And ultimately, he'll be lifted up back into heaven. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The expansion in scope from a kingdom to eternal life is an amazing amplification of the conversation. And with this expansion in scope, Jesus is tying together the concepts of this spiritual new birth to eternal life. Somehow, believing in the lifted up Son of Man will trigger being born again. Jesus finishes with these words so sweet to every believing ear. He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. In some of the most famous sentences in the Bible, Jesus lays bare the motivation and the purpose of God in giving Jesus. Love. God loves the world, and he loves it so much that he sent his unique son into the world to be the means of salvation for the world. To a world condemned, condemned in its sin, he gives Jesus so that the world might be saved through him. And here's the key. Salvation comes by believing in Jesus. Faith in the only Son of God is the key that unlocks the great salvation, eternal life, and the new spiritual birth. Jesus says to Nicodemus, The question you're asking only has one answer. Everything you're looking for is answered by faith, and the object of that faith is me, the unique Son of God that the Father has sent into the world to save it. Nicodemus, I am your salvation. I am the light of the world. Will you love me and obey my commands? Or will you love the world and its evil deeds? Nicodemus, will you believe in me and come into the light? Or will you love the darkness? And that's where the conversation ends. There's no response from Nicodemus that we get to read. No extended explanation of the minutiae of how salvation works. Nothing of the sort. The conversation is just over. But perhaps the writer of this gospel cut it off here on purpose. Perhaps it's because he wanted us to actually put on the shoes of Nicodemus. If we put on his shoes, we might see ourselves as some of the righteous ones potentially fit for the kingdom of God. People that others occasionally look to for advice and support. And yet Jesus confronts our notions about ourselves. He says to us, 
God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son into the world for you. He wants to make you spiritually alive. He wants you to live in his light. He wants you to be saved, not condemned. All you need to do is come to me and believe. Come, look, and live. Experience the life that you really want, eternal life from the inside out. Live in the kingdom of God. Live not because of your own righteousness, but by faith in me. Live in the light. What we discover as we read the words of Jesus is this. He's not just having this conversation with Nicodemus. He's having it with you. The question is, do you believe? The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.